Welcome to the Connect Kindness Podcast, where we connect people with organizations to inspire kindness. I'm your host, Crystal Aziz, and I'm joined by my co-host, Tim Evans. In today's episode, we interview Regina Anderson, the Executive Director of Food Recovery Network. Have you ever been to an event or a restaurant that had plenty of food left over at the end of the night and wondered what happens to all this food? Food Recovery Network is answering that question. In this interview, Regina shares her passion for Food Recovery Network, and we learn about how the idea for the organization came to be, and also how Food Recovery Network went from starting at one university, which is the University of Maryland in 2011, to now being in over 190 schools in 44 states. Regina details the process in which they recover and distribute the food, making a huge impact in the surrounding communities. So without further ado, this is our interview with Regina Anderson of Food Recovery Network. Thank you so much for joining us on the Connect Kindness podcast. Can you tell our listeners a little bit more about Food Recovery Network and what needs you serve? Thanks so much for having me. I'm really excited about this conversation and there's nothing I love to talk about more than Food Recovery Network. So I appreciate the opportunity to connect with your listeners. So Food Recovery Network started in 2011, and we can definitely get into the history um, of how we got up and running more, but basically what we do is we work with college students all across the country to recover surplus food from their dining halls, and then we safely package up that food, and then we bring it to a local nonprofit like a homeless shelter, a soup kitchen, a food pantry, anywhere in a local community where people are in need of food, we support um, those institutions. And the reason, there's, there's several reasons why we got started, but one of the main reasons is that students are really passionate about ensuring that really good food isn't thrown away because first, we know that 40 million Americans across the country are food insecure, meaning they don't know where their next meal is going to come from. So they might've had lunch that day. They don't know if they're gonna have dinner. They might not have breakfast. Wow. Um, so they're food insecure. So our students wanted to support their communities to ensure that people had access to nutritious foods. But we also wanted to counteract another problem, uh, which is when we throw away perfectly good food and when we throw away organics, that ends up going into a landfill. And in the landfill, that food begins to rot. And when it rots, it releases CO2, which then enters our atmosphere. And as we know, is a contributing factor in global warming. So we wanted to make sure that um, we could counteract these two pretty solvable issues that are happening right now in our community. Wow, that's amazing. I didn't even think about the environmental factor of what you guys are, are making a difference in. That, that's awesome. Um, Regina, you're the executive director at Food Recovery Network. How did you get involved with them? I am so proud to be the executive director with Food Recovery Network. It's, it's an honor every day. And I always tell folks, you know, Though I am the ED with Food Recovery Network, I humbly represent the thousands of students all across the country who are dedicated to doing the work that we do every single day. Um, And so how I got involved was I've actually had my whole career in the nonprofit sector. So I've worked at a variety of different organizations. Mainly, uh, I got my foundational um, career started in individual leadership development. So making people um, better at whatever it is that they're trying to do in their organization. So we do a lot of work around how to build teams, how to be more time management, um, how to um, evaluate programs, how to project plan, all these different things that you might think, oh, that's easy enough. But a lot of organizations, especially in the nonprofit sector, 
might not have access to that intentional training. So that's sort of where I cut my teeth within my career. I am a very proud AmeriCorps alum, and that's where I actually first learned about this sector called the nonprofit sector and knowing that, wow, you can actually have a career by helping people was something that once I learned that, once I became involved in that, I was hooked and haven't looked back. Um, and so when I was engaged with the nonprofit that was doing individual leadership development, I ran a program that was focused on um, supporting college students in um, obtaining internships. And then I helped employers in all sectors, so government, nonprofit, for-profit, in developing um, internship programs and a pipeline of talent that could be filled by uh, interns. And so I've always had a love of young people and what young people can do and supporting their careers. And I see Food Recovery Network as definitely a major outlet for helping people to learn, to grow, and to emerge as leaders or to hone skills that they might have already feel that they have as leaders um, through the work that they do with, with FRN. So actually, I learned about the position, and I, I've been the ED for about four, almost four years now, um, through a friend who I used to live in Pittsburgh, and uh, we did a lot of work together on a variety of fronts. Um, she let me know about the position, and I was actually at that time working at an anti-poverty nonprofit, another national nonprofit working around talent development. And I was thinking, you know, I knew I wanted to be an executive director for a nonprofit that had a mission that I care so deeply about. I do believe that we have a right um, to live with dignity, um, and that means that we have access to food, that we have access to education, that we have health care for all, um, that we have uh, safe housing for all. And food is, is definitely the starting point for some of those areas where I know that we can, can solve for people who are, who are really struggling right now and struggling for a lot of reasons that are outside of their control, a lot of policies that we have in place that keep people subjugated. So it just hit all of the different notes for me where my passion level just kind of went through the roof <laughs> um, <laughs> with what the job required, and um, I haven't looked back since. Oh, I love what, what you guys are doing over at Food Recovery Network, and it's such a unique and effective idea and concept. I'm curious, how did the idea even come to be? That's what I love about working at Food Recovery Network because I am surrounded by thousands of students who have so many different ideas and approaches to problem solving that it's, it's just such an inspiring workplace. So the idea started by the students who co-founded Food Recovery Network. So this was even prior to 2011. Um, they were engaged in food recovery efforts. So they were college students at the University of Maryland, for those of us who are able to go to college, university, when we think about that unique time of understanding who we want to be as civically involved citizens. Those students were actively on that journey. They were also figuring out, um, you know, all the things in academia that we learn around, you know, global warming and poverty and you know, some of these social issues that just seem really, really complex. And as they worked through their journey at the University of Maryland, they also, in their day-to-day -day life, saw some connection to what they were learning in academia, what they were seeing in their everyday life, and thinking about how can we be part of a positive solution to making our communities thrive. So they saw every day they were throwing away food at the end of uh, different lunch events, 
dinner events. Some of them, the the co-founders, one of them in particular had had an internship where they worked in the in the cafeteria and saw that firsthand. And for them, light bulbs went off around. We have all this really great food. It just hasn't been purchased yet. Still in the kitchen. We know that people in the College Park area, where University of Maryland is uh, based, we know that there are people who are hungry there. Why can't we just bring this food to them? And they will have food for that day. So they approached their dining provider. Her name is Colleen, and I was actually just talking about Colleen yesterday. Um, she's such an integral part to our founding story because um, when the students first approached Colleen to see if they could, in fact, you know, bring that food that hadn't been sold yet to um, a church down the street that they knew about, she said no. And um, and it's actually a story that a lot of our students hear from dining providers. She said no, and they didn't stop there. They didn't take no for an answer. And every couple of weeks, they'd come up to call in and say, please just hear us out. We think we have a really good plan for this food. And eventually, through their tenacity, they got a meeting on the books with Colleen. She heard them out. And this is what I was saying you know, yesterday, which I, I just find, you know, those moments in time where you think, goodness gracious, this, this is the start to something, where not only did Colleen think that they had a really great idea, but she infused her background as a food provider and supported them in being able to do the plan that they had, that they laid out to her, but to handle that food safely. So that was an ingredient, a detail that they didn't quite know about because they were students. And so because of Colleen, they were able to safely package up the food and bring it right down the street from the University of Maryland. And that began the, the journey that is, you know, a growing food movement to this day. And um, so we're so thankful for Colleen. And I will say the first few months, they've recovered thousands of pounds of food. And we know through Feeding America, USDA, that 1.2 pounds of food equals one meal roughly, um, unless you're just having a bunch of salad, which, you know, that's really great too. And they usually <laughs> weigh a little bit less, but <laughs> 1.2 pounds of food equals one meal. And so wow. they were feeding hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people through the surplus food that the University of Maryland had been throwing away previously. That is awesome. I love it. They mm-hmm. did not give up, did not take no for an answer, pushed mm-hmm. on. And if you mm-hmm. believe in something, that's what it's that that's what it's about, just continuing Absolutely. on and going after your passion. So I'm, I'm really curious. So they, they got the yes from Colleen. They learned how to, you know, uh, move it with care. But What's the process of, of recovering the food and then distributing the food? Because you guys are in a lot of chapters, so <laughs> I'm super interested in, in learning that. The thing that I always talk about when I mention the process for Food Recovery Network, that is first and foremost in how we do our work, is relationships. And I put that out there because we have a structure in place for sure to handle the food safely. But within that structure, there are different variables depending on where the school is located, the number of volunteers, uh, how far away the school is from the partner agency, the nonprofit, where we will bring the food. So all of those things can be slightly different. But what isn't different is, again, as I said before, our students' passion for getting to know their communities and helping to feed those in need and also mitigating our negative effects on our environment. So that's how we lead with our movement is relationships because from there, what I'm about to describe is logistics. Mm-hmm. And it is humans doing this work. You know, we're not an app. <laughs> um, you know, it's actual humans who are taking the time out of their day. We will, well, first, to become an official chapter, um, we work every single step of the way with students who are interested in starting a chapter. 
And the steps include, I won't go through all of them, but the main steps are, the first is getting a yes, a sign-off from your dining hall provider. Um, and we have relationships with a lot of the big dining hall providers, um, a lot of the big food providers, um, because they need to be bought into this process. Um, and sometimes that's the, the step that takes the longest. And we have lots of materials for our students to have those kinds of conversations with people who might say no at first. Um, but we're really good at getting that no turned into a yes. Just like the original founders of Food Recovery Network, you can't stop with someone saying no. Um, because a lot of times it's just faster to say no um, than it is to hear somebody out. So that's first and foremost. Um, and we have wonderful, wonderful relationships with our dining hall providers. I have so many great pictures. I've been on recoveries myself where the staff is just so involved in the recovery effort. So that's, that's huge. The other part that we tell students is, you know, you, you really can't do this work alone. You know, a recovery sometimes it's four pounds of food, sometimes it's 300 pounds of food, sometimes it's 3,000 pounds of food, depending on the situation. But no matter what, we want to make sure that this is a collaborative effort. So we work with students to get what we call a leadership team so that you can divide and um, succeed together. We don't say divide and conquer. We say divide and succeed at FRN. Nice. Um, and so you need somebody who's working on the relationship with the dining provider. You need someone who's helping to recruit volunteers um, because you might want to uh, recover five days a week. You might want to recover four days a week. You might want to recover three days a week, but every single meal, that all depends. And then a really key component to this is we need our students to do what we call a landscape analysis of their community. So we have certain criteria for where students can um, bring their food for donation. So we um, are required to bring our food currently through the Bill Emerson Good Samaritan Law um, to another nonprofit, a 501c3 organization. So we work with our students to figure out where might that be in their communities. So if we're thinking about all of our chapters in the Los Angeles area, we think about the chapters that we have in Minneapolis, we think about the chapters that we have all up and down the state of Florida, you know, into Pennsylvania, you know, those places look slightly different. You know, do you have a car? You know, is there a lot of snow? You know, are those places that you could bring the food? Are they only open one day a week? Whatever those um, um, different details are, we work with our students to, to figure those logistics out. And that part, that's where, well, that's where the, the magic really happens, the relationship between the student and their partner agency. And I will say between the dining hall and the student as well. All the different steps, we keep the students in the driver's seat. They're the leaders. They're the ones who care about this. This is their campus. This is their community. So we, at the national office, we're still headquartered in College Park. Um, what we do is we support, we mentor, and we coach, but we keep that student in the driver's seat. So that's in a, in a nutshell how one would um, start the recovery process. And as I mentioned, you know, some of our students, they recover seven days a week, three meals a day. Some only recover you know, one or two times a week, maybe one, one meal. Um, those are details that we work out with the student. Some of our students will bring the food immediately upon recovering it to their partner agency. Some will refrigerate it, some will freeze it, and then bring it over. Um, but it's also really important that wherever we bring the food, they too are able to handle that food safely. So we take temperature from the very beginning, and then when we drop it off, um, we also take the temperature if, it's, if it hasn't been uh, frozen. 
Wow. Like you guys have thought through every detail possible um, <laughs> yeah. with this entire process of recovering the food. Um, like you said, you started off in 2011 and just at the University of Maryland, and now you have over 190 chapters in 44 states. What an accomplishment. Congrats on that. Thank what, you. Thank yeah, you. of course. That's something to be proud of. Uh, what do you think the driving factors were to go ahead and give you guys that ability to scale um, to all of those schools? Mm-hmm. I love that, that question because, you know, we're so proud of the fact that we are on over 190 chapters across the country. I mean, at any one time, we have about 5,000 students who are volunteering with us, um, taking their time to do these recoveries. It's so inspiring. Um, and so there's a few things. You know, one of the reasons why we have been so successful is this is an issue that the current generation, the millennial generation and the Z generation, they care about this. So they're Googling and finding Food Recovery Network. They're Googling how to prevent food waste from my, on my college campus because they see it. It's, it's, it's pretty blatant sometimes. And they want to find solutions to something that seems pretty simple to stop. So they just Google us, and so word of mouth and that grassroots is still alive and strong for Food Recovery Network. So there's that. It's just an issue that students really care about. Um, and then the other thing is we have a really low entry point. If you want to work with Food Recovery Network, we say come on in. We have open arms for, for people, students and quote-unquote adults as well. And we can talk about that later too, how um, people who aren't associated with university can still be part of this movement but at the national office you know a big part of my job is not only setting the strategy for food recovery network where are we going to um, grow to what are the different programs that we're going to have how does our board of directors help support that growth but another thing that i do is i do a lot of fundraising because we need to support our students to do this work we want to make sure that if a student is interested in food recovery that they don't necessarily have to pay for the scales the gloves, the hats, all the things that you might need um, to do an actual recovery. So there's the food safety materials that you need, the, the gloves, the hats, um, but then there's also we thermometer to take the temperature, but the scale, marketing materials to let people know what you're doing, all of those things, we want to make sure that students aren't paying for that stuff right out of their pocket. And a lot of times people don't realize when we, I say the word volunteer, but we usually say student leader because when you hear the word volunteer, you think free labor, and it is, it is not free. To do a recovery, it takes a lot of uh, resources. So most of our students, the majority of our students, are using their own vehicles to recover this food and drive it three miles, ten miles down the road. And so that takes gas. And so we want to be able to um, reimburse students for these materials if their college or university isn't going to provide that for them or if the dining hall isn't going to provide that for them. So having um, a really low entry to participate is another reason why we've been able to scale so much because we want to change behavior when people see the sheer amount of food that is recovered at any one food event it just immediately becomes clear to you like all this food would have been thrown away and now all of this food is going to feed people it's just just like that it's just you do a 180 around like oh my gosh and then you kind of step back you're like all this food and then you step back again you're like oh my gosh all this food (laughs) and then you really start to see where you can make an an immediate impact to to feed people so that's another reason why we've been able to to scale and then i think um another thing that i will say is we have a really wonderful alumni network we have a really amazing board of directors who are out there working with me to 
open up more doors. You know, conversations like this one are so important to getting the message out there of like, hey, we want you to help us. Um, we want to make sure that um, whatever your particular community looks like, that we can figure out a way to ensure that all the really good food that farmers took so much time to grow, truck drivers or train drivers took so long to transport, um, stores purchase this food so you could purchase this food, whatever system, whatever point in the system, that all that food, because there's loss at every single step of the way, but that's just not happening. And we have students who are there to not only ensure that that food isn't being thrown away, but as we get more alums in our system, those alums, they become the farmers. They become the policymakers. They become the transportation um, logistics people. They already have that lens of, I can do this. I can ensure that food isn't being, isn't being wasted because it's already part of my DNA. Yeah, I mean, imagine a world that every school did this, every restaurant did this. I mean, people mm-hmm. would be fed. We would, we would eradicate that. Yeah. We could do that. We could eradicate that. It's crazy. It's crazy. You know, I, mm-hmm. I know that this is just uh, in universities, me being... I'm just a couple years out of out of university, you know. So uh, a couple times times a million. But uh, anyways, uh, what advice would you give to someone wanting to be a part of the Food Recovery Network, but you know they're not a part of a university any longer? And I will say, um, I'm just a couple years myself out of out of college, not too too many. Yeah, so you feel um, me, right? You understand what I'm saying? I know exactly what you mean. And you know, when I was talking about the internship program that I ran. Um, it was so long ago, I will say to you both, that when I talked to people about what I did, the first question they asked me would be, oh, what's an internship? <laughs> and it was a while ago, but it wasn't that long ago. And now we think about, you know, people in high school now have internships. And nope. if, you're, if you do go on to, you know, college or university, you have four or five by the time you graduate, and sometimes more. So, yeah, but just a couple of years out of, out of higher ed for me. <laughs> um, so we have this really great program called Food Recovery Verified, and that is our way of working with the corporate sector, for-profit sector, you know, even government sector, to also create recovery programs um, for events, catering. Um, a lot of um, bigger corporations, they actually have their own in-house um, cafeterias. All of those places have food, and we support, through Food Recovery Verified, those organizations and also creating a recovery program and the reason why it started we've been doing this for a few years now is because we got enough emails from students saying i know that my campus kitchen is recovering its food because i'm the one doing the recovery (laughs) i want to make sure that when i go to a restaurant or if i'm going to an event that they're also doing the right thing with their surplus food we got enough of those inquiries that um the early staff at frn said huh yeah, this is an opportunity for us to support another sector. And that's, that's what we do. So basically, I'm really proud to say there are a lot of companies out there that already recover their food. They are just unsung heroes. People don't know that they have recovery programs in place. And some of them have been doing recovery efforts for decades. So the first thing that we do with Food Recovery Verified is we shout out the good work of businesses that are doing that so that people can congratulate them and thank them and then also say like, oh gosh, I see that this company is doing this with their surplus food. Oh, we're not doing that. We're we're behind the eight ball on this. But mostly where where our work comes in is a lot of times, and this is the open heart, the open mind, the low entry point to become uh, a member of this movement is 
uh, a lot of times people will come to us, at, you know, at the big um, conference that they're having. Um, maybe they, they started to notice um, a lot of food waste in their cafeterias, and they say, you know, Regina, or they'll talk to Cassie, um, my manager of external partnerships, Erin. Um, she's our fellow who works with the Food Recovery Verified team. They'll say, gosh, I don't know where to start. I'm scared. I'm embarrassed. You know, there's a lot of emotions that come along with just maybe not having the answers. And we always say, do not worry. We are in your corner. Thanks for having this conversation with us. We have a thousand questions that we're going to ask you. And we walk the corporate sector through a bunch of questions to figure out um, what can or cannot, can they not do to start a recovery program. So a lot of times, you know, we work with a really great wealth management company in New York. We started a recovery program with them and they're amazing champions and this is a really great example but they say you can't come into our building unless you have a badge you have to go through security and you know all these things so they just it's not easy to be a guest and you know not a staff person to get in and out of our building mm -hmm. so we need a partner agency who can come to us and collect the food at the loading dock we're happy to recover the food that surplus and bring it on down to the to the partner agency so Plus, it's New York, and very few people want to drive. <laughs> so we were able to find a partner agency for them. So that's part of the verification process. We'll help you find uh, a partner agency that can collect and accept your food. Um, so not only did this wealth management company say, yeah, we have some barriers, but we really want to do this. We found them a partner agency. But now they are basically the center point for other buildings on their block to also recover their food. So now when this partner agency comes to get their food, they have two other places where that they can so also cool. pick up food. And that's the effect that the corporate sector can have. You know, we're, we're really proud of our partnership with Groupon in Chicago, and they're about to do the same thing. Um, so they just started their recovery program probably a couple months ago. So we're really, 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 really proud of them. And I had an opportunity to, to visit with them in person and, and talk with them about what they're learning. And we're really excited that we're going to... Uh, engage in a, a case study with them because we want to show other corporations that it's, it's easy to do this. I'm going to say it's really fun. It is actually pretty fun. When I've gone on recoveries, um, it's usually, you know, the end of a end of dinner, end of lunch, people are breaking down for the night or for the afternoon. There's music, people are high-fiving. And the people who make the food, who've spent all day making the food, they are really happy because we're now not asking them to throw away the food they just spent all day making. For sure. They get to do this. The reason why they came to work was because they wanted to feed people. And now we will ensure that all of their food is being fed to humans and not tossed away. So there is a huge element of the work that we do at FRN that is about dignity and respect for humans. What about like um, just a local restaurants? Can local restaurants or chain mm -hmm. restaurants, can they get involved as well? Absolutely. We welcome that. There's another um, grab-and-go uh, convenience store that we're currently working with. So they have all those yogurts and, um, you know, a lot of the healthier snacks that they have, and they want to make sure that those really good um, snacks aren't being thrown away. So we're currently working with a convenience store chain. So absolutely, you know, and, and this is my encouragement to, um, you know, restaurants out in the world um, to work with us. Absolutely. We, if there's food, we're going to work with you to, to collect that food. And this is where Food Recovery Network is, is, uh, is a bit different. You know, so we, we track all of the recoveries that our, our amazing students do all across the country. And so for fun, we have, um, during our staff meetings on Thursdays, we um, look through all of the different recoveries that were reported for the week previous. 
and um, we kind of shout out the different chapters. And we always do sort of the, the chapter that recovered the smallest amount and the chapter that recovered the biggest amount. And there are consistently chapters that will recover about four pounds of food, three pounds of food. Um, and usually it's, you know, something like salads. A lot of times it's bagels. But for us, we will take the time to get that food. You know, some other recovery programs, they might say, oh, unless it's 10,000 pounds of food, it's not cost effective for us to go. And that makes complete sense. So FRN comes in. If there's food, it can feed people. We will help to get that food. So that um, it really... It really doesn't matter, you know, who, who you are. Um, you know, it, it literally just comes down to those logistics. And if you're willing to problem solve with us and my Food Recovery Verified team, they are wonderful problem solvers, as is my whole team, actually. We have to we problem solve a lot every single day. Um, then we, we, can make this, we can make this a reality. That's awesome. The entire time that you were talking, mm-hmm. I was just thinking about, I, I spend a lot of time in airports, you know, just kind of people watching at the food court. I, I wonder oh, yeah. if airports are, you know, recovering their food. I can imagine how much, you know, they're going through on a daily oh basis. Yeah. Um, so I don't know oh. if you guys are in airports, yeah. but that's just an idea that just kind of popped in my head that, you know, maybe you can explore. I love it. Um, but I love it. yeah. Uh, so how can listeners get involved um, with Food Recovery Network? Um, how can they get in touch with you or your organization? So many ways to be involved, multiple ways to get in touch with us. <laughs> <laughs> so we're, I'll, I'll do the second part of the question first, which is how to get in touch with us, because I hope people will you know, save this information. Um, so you can email us at info at foodrecoverynetwork.org. And from there, you can just say, I want to help or I have a question and we'll make sure that um, whatever your inquiry is, gets to the right um, group of people at, at FRN. We're on all the social media platforms. You know, the beautiful thing is we were started by, you know, college students not too long ago. And so they were on it with social media. So we're on <laughs> Facebook, we're on Twitter, we're on Instagram. We were on Snapchat. I think we might still be on Snapchat. We're on LinkedIn, but we get to do like a lot of, I, I tell my students all the time, like, would you guys maybe mind doing an Instagram story about this gleaning event that we're doing um, <laughs> for our holiday party? And so I'm like, your job is to create Instagram stories. That's pretty great. Because <laughs> I, I don't know how to make an Instagram story, really. I'm learning. But um, so we're on all the social media, and it's usually at, our handle is at Food Recovery, and you can find us that way. Ways that people can be involved, um, there are several. If there is a college or university that you feel connected to, not necessarily because you're an alum, maybe you have family members who went there or you're down the street from that um, higher ed institution, work with us. Let's get a chapter started if there isn't one already. We are in over 190 um, college campuses right now, but there's something like 5,400 higher education institutions in this country. So. We, we still have a long way to go. And, and what we want is higher education to be the first sector where food recovery is the norm and not the exception. So with your listeners, you know, with their support, with their engagement, we can make that happen. So definitely we want to talk with you if you feel connected um, to a, a higher education institution. We have a lot of gleaning events all across the country. And gleaning is when you go to either a farm or a farmer's market and you collect the surplus produce that they might have so on a farm it's usually there's produce fruits and vegetables that haven't been picked by either the machinery or by the humans for a variety of reasons and there's just really delicious still okay for humans to consume food like you look at these cucumbers and you're like wait why is this cucumber still here 
Um, and it's just because maybe the machinery was um, looking for a certain length of cucumber and so it just got passed on by. Come to a gleaning event with us. It's a really great way to be outside and um, meet new people. So we're going to actually, we're working on an event in um, Florida, in the Miami region in August. So I'm sure that'll be nice and cool weather for that. <laughs> Our, we have a University of Illinois at Chicago chapter that they recover most Saturdays at, at their farmer's market. And we're also working to support, we have some grant money available to our chapters to um, increase the number of, of um, gleanings that they're doing. And some of them just glean all the time. So a gleaning event is really helpful. When we can, if people are interested in going on an actual food recovery um, at one of our chapters, that's great. So we want people to do that too. And so sometimes it just depends on where you're located and where the closest chapter is located. But sometimes our, our students, this is why they're so amazing, the, uh, the, the leadership and the student effect is our most popular time to uh, glean, or excuse me, to do a recovery is like Friday night, so after dinner. So, really? Um, you know, yeah, yeah, because they want to get the food before the weekend. They yeah. want to get it to the partner agency before the weekend, especially if they don't refrigerate um, straight away or freeze the food. They want to deliver it directly to their partner agency. But sometimes recoveries happen on a Tuesday at 9.30 p.m. So it's not always convenient for people who have day jobs to come on a recovery with us. Mm -hmm. So that's why gleanings are sometimes a little bit easier. But we absolutely want people to come on a recovery with us. And we have different programming um, all throughout the year through our regional outreach coordinators uh, program. So we'll have, um, we're still figuring out where the cities will be, but um, definitely in Florida. We'll have definitely in the um, Philadelphia region, Los Angeles. And um, again, we're still figuring out we, uh, different cities. But this is an opportunity for people to come and to learn and get more context as to the issues that we're fighting. And then, of course, you know, we're only as strong as our, our funding allows us to be as we continue to scale and get onto more chapters. That means more demand for um, budget. You know, I'm hoping to continue to grow our permanent staff. So right now we have this amazing fellowship where people are on the team for either a one-year or two-year fellowship, so learning opportunity. Um, but at the same time, I'm also working to grow our full-time permanent staff because I want to retain that historical knowledge that people gain um, through working with students all across the country. We have systems that we're trying to improve upon every single day. And so that just, you know, requires more funding. And so if people feel so moved, we will respect, gratitude, and love, um, you know, funding is always an issue that um, never goes away <laughs> for, for a lot of us nonprofits. So that's another way that your listenership could support a friend. Barney Chance, anything in Houston, Texas? Shout out Houston, Texas. <laughs> oh, my gosh, we love Houston. Nice. <laughs> oh, my gosh. We have a really strong chapter at the University of Houston. Nice. And I And actually, we have, uh, yeah, and really strong alums, therefore, um, I, I just love that, that chapter so much. And, you know, when the, when the flooding happened um, in Houston, I will say some of our student leaders were affected by that, and they were actually um, in a location where they couldn't leave the, the house that they were in because, um, because of the flooding. And they were safe. You know, they were fine afterward. Um, thank goodness. But it's really scary because you just don't know what's happening. Oh, um, sure. As soon as the waters receded, that student began recovering immediately and helping the community. Wow. So big, big shout out to, to Houston. Yep. Yeah. 
We actually had an event. We went and worked on homes from Hurricane Harvey. Still two Ooh. years later, uh, there are two homes that have five, had five feet of water, and they're just now getting to the point where um, it's almost finished. Oh my so goodness. Yeah, I know it's crazy. It's crazy. So the, yeah, we, we connected with the organization called SBP Houston, and they told us that it, it would probably take 15 years for Houston to recover from oh Harvey. Goodness. And what yeah. they're trying to do is shorten the gap with just getting volunteers into people's houses that still haven't, you know, either haven't gotten a chance or don't have the money to rebuild their houses or had like contracting right. f- fraud um whatever it may be but they're mm. trying to close that gap and and it's true like houston really came together and they're still together on trying to fix harvey and trying to get um you know everybody up and running i'm so thankful that you both again highlighted that for your listenership because sometimes in the media or in our day-to-day lives we kind of you know i don't want to this isn't this isn't quite how i want to say it but we move on Mm-hmm. And we think, oh, okay, well, the, the water's receded. You know, we know the contractors are there and homes are being rebuilt. But there's still an aftermath. Um, and there's still people who are affected every single day. And because of your podcast now, people can understand that. And first of all, celebrate the people who are day in, day out supporting their communities. But also for the rest of us to know, actually, on the ground, there's still a lot of work to be done. And, and you're very um, much invited to be part of that work. So. Wow. Thank, thanks for letting me know that because I, I wouldn't have known. Yeah. yeah. That's really um, a special thing. Absolutely. Sure. Regina, thank you so much uh, for, for spending some time with us today and sharing about Food Recovery Network and all the wonderful things that you guys are doing. Uh, to our listeners, please go uh, to their website. Um, please go to their social media. Visit Connect Kindness to connect with Food Recovery Network because you guys are doing some amazing things. And Regina, thank you so much. Thank you both so much. Thank you so much for listening to the Connect Kindness podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at ShareGiveDo. And please remember, the world is changed by your example, not by your opinion.